Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. You're with Sophie Guy, and today I bring you a special bonus episode of the Emerging Minds podcast on supporting children's social and emotional well-being during these unprecedented times of the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, I talk with Brad Morgan, Director of the Emerging Minds National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, about what might be coming up for children and parents as they navigate new regulations about isolation, as well as working from home, and for some, schooling from home. We talk about some key strategies that parents can put in place to support their children's social and emotional well-being at this time. Well, thank you very much, Brad, for taking the time to join me today for another podcast episode. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Life, as we know, it has certainly changed and many families are now finding themselves spending a lot more time at home together and facing the prospect of homeschooling their children. Let's start with imagining how the world might look right now to a child. How might a six-year-old be feeling and thinking about all the changes to his life and in his family right now as a result of the coronavirus pandemic? It's sort of hard to say exactly what every six-year-old's experience of this is like, but some of the common things I think we can assume what's happening for a six-year-old is their life has changed quite a lot. So for some people, they're either at home for school or for some children, their classrooms are a lot emptier than they um, are usually are. And the other big change in children's lives is how much exposure they're getting to this information about a virus or COVID, all this sort of words that they might understand and might hear glimpses of. They might hear it on the radio and the news a lot. They might hear parents or family or friends talking about that a lot. The other big change that's happening for children is particularly around the adults in their lives are likely to be a lot more anxious or worried or stressed. Um, and with that worry and stress comes, you know, just changes in the atmosphere at home and changes in how we relate to each other. So there's three big changes, I think, that children in particular would be quite exposed to at this time. What then in the context of lots of news and strange new words and talking about a virus, what are children needing from their parents right now, do you think? I really think um, for children, all of them are going to be going through this in a different way. So I think from a child's perspective is someone who's watching out and listening to them about how they are going, um, what questions they might have, what assurance they might need, but also people to help them as a whole family, I think, is to think about how do we respond in changing how do we respond and develop new routines for our family as well? So what we think about in relation to what helps children feel secure, even in the context of some of these challenges, is some reassurance. Um, the other thing we're really encouraging families to think about is the routine that children have. And we know routines are pretty difficult at the moment for everyone, I think, around balancing work and life and family situations. So finding ways to set up some patterns or routines or even persist with some of the routines that were previously part of children's lives can be really helpful. Um, and then the other part of that support for children is really how we help them manage their emotions around what's happening and support them through this as well. I was having a look at a few other child-focused organisations and the advice that's coming out and they all seem to agree that 
the things you're talking about, uh, talking to children and routines. Uh, so I just wanted to pick up on that point of parents being really encouraged to talk to their kids about what is COVID-19, what is this virus, what's happening. Can you talk a bit about why is this important? I think with lots of these types of situations where there's big change happening in people's lives and lots of information, children know something's different. They know things are changing and without um, someone to be a sounding board and help them make sense of what all these changes are, children can feel a bit alone in that if they're not communicated with. And so they might be thinking about things in ways that are quite frightening, they might not be accurate. So really having someone to help them make sense of it, um, what they're seeing, sort of hearing and feeling. And that tends to be with a whole range of situations, but in particular um, at the moment, because there is so much change, it is just having someone who can help them process and make sense of it. And, and that's really important for children because the way we make sense of things can really shape how we respond to them as well. So I think in the context of children, if you're thinking if they're making sense of this is what it is um, in that there's a virus and there's some changes that we're all making to minimise the spread of the virus and some of those changes are we're staying at home as much as we can and we're doing things to prevent the spread of the virus or manage it as best as we can and the reasons for that are so that we can protect other people and protect our family as well. If we're making sense of it in that way it's really helpful where if they're catching glimpses of hearing about really quite difficult circumstances for some people, hearing about vulnerability, naturally they're going to be thinking, oh, what's happening with the world? Um, and you have heard, unfortunately, some stories and that tends to be what children can be thinking of is that there's going to be um, some really big things as a threat to my life, as a threat to people around me. And, and whilst we can't sort of deny the reality of some of the circumstances, I think sometimes children can end up having some quite extreme ideas about what's happening as well. And that it, that's really worrying and scary. So it's about providing them with the opportunity to sort of acknowledge that this is worrying, but to give them some context around the scale of the worry and what's being helpful and what's um, how do you promote hope, I guess, is the ultimate goal we want to be talking through um, with children about this. And what does promoting hope for children in this situation look like? Um, with children, I think the idea of promoting hope, I tend to think of it as what actions are being taken and why are we doing those actions. I think that offers some quite strong reassurance and hope. So things like hand washing, for example, why are we doing that? <laughs> um, explaining that, um, why aren't we going to community events anymore and explaining why that's happening and that in itself is sort of hopeful in that it's helping us to feel like we can do something about it um, and we are doing something about it, that those things seem to be having an effect as well. So as we sort of understand more about what's happening, sharing some of that knowledge around, well, what we're doing is actually helping. And I think alongside of that is also just the other way to promote hope in those conversations is listening to what children are worried about and being curious about that and exploring what their understanding is of what they're hearing and the words they use and unpacking that a bit more because if they are thinking something's quite catastrophic when it might not be as catastrophic as it is, there's an element of providing some balance into that discussion around, well, that might not be affecting us or this might be the things that are helpful too, so... And uh, what about things like showing them what people are doing 
for example, on Facebook, there's some different groups around ways to reach out to your neighbours or uh, there's a teddy bear walk at the moment where people are putting teddy bears in their windows. Are those sorts of things helpful for, are they helpful around hope and um, helping to children to feel hopeful about what's going on? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of what comes out, and I think that's good news stories you want to be sharing with children, isn't it, around how we're in this together. And I think that's something that they really do value, that I'm not alone in this and lots of people are doing this. And I think those types of things show the scale of um, globally what we're all doing to hang in there together. Um, So those sorts of stories are really good for children and really visual things as well around how we're all finding ways to connect and within that we can also assume there's a lot of and rightly so a lot of worry that is happening in families lives but there's also some positive things that are happening in a lot of families as well that um, children are experiencing too and it's good to acknowledge some of those through this as well. Have you got any anecdotes or examples of that? Um, I think probably just an example in my own family is I don't have to do my drive into work and lose all my hours traveling back and forth. Um, so it yeah. just means I get to go home and I get to spend an hour on the trampoline or playing in the backyard or we get to do some stuff together that I haven't historically had um, the opportunity to do just because of the nature of work and those sorts of things. And I know in my sort of neighborhood, there's, you know, opportunities, I think, of where families are connecting in their backyards. I know we sort of been talking to our neighbours over the fence for the first time in a long time, those sorts of things. So um, so I think some of those things are happening globally and we can see some of that effort um, happening, I think, is really good. The other thing I think we can see is technology being leveraged for good in this as well. And I think we've had some reflections with some different people around this would have been a lot more difficult if it was potentially 25 years ago where we didn't have the same level of connectivity. Um, yeah, there's some really good stories and I think they all offer hope and connection um, in different ways. Okay, so we were talking a bit about what things might be looking like for a six-year-old right now with all the different changes going on. And the importance of having conversations and inviting uh, children to talk about how they're feeling. But what about babies and toddlers, perhaps, where they don't have verbal language developed? But uh, what sorts of things do they pick up on and what sort of support do they need right now? Yeah, babies and toddlers can often be a bit of the invisible um, population in a lot of these sort of discussions about how we're responding to children. And I'd actually think for us as a community and as families, they're ones that probably need our support a lot through these sorts of changes. And the things they're likely to be picking up on are quite different, um, some of the similar things, but where their sort of world's changed is really in their family and their relationship with people. So if you're thinking about what a baby's going through, is it might be that they're feeling a bit more disconnected from their parents at the moment because their parents are feeling a bit worried and they're a bit busy trying to manage a whole range of things and make sense of this themselves. And so similarly, there might be some really important people in that um, baby or toddler's life that they're not as connected with anymore. I don't get to have my day with Nana or Grandpa at the moment and that was a really important part of their lives. So for babies, it's really important to create those opportunities for connection 
um, and that sort of undivided attention, if possible, um, that they might need through these things because that in and of itself, just spending that time playing and trying to maintain those routines is really important for them and how they're feeling about things. Um, and for those other people in their lives that are really important that they might not be spending as much time is still finding ways to keep them connected, whether that's on video catch-ups. So I think there's some really important things just for us to really have a bit more um, a lens on how babies are going <laughs> um, and young children are going through this because it's a little bit different for them and helping them to through this time is around that reassurance um, as well. But that reassurance comes through some of that time we spend with them, but also labelling some of the changes as well. Like children often understand more even in language than they can communicate back to us. So um, there are some simple words and things that babies can understand or young toddlers can understand as well. So some of that, re some of that's quite reassuring as well for them. And that they might be saying, "Oh, yeah, Daddy was a bit worried and stressed, but I'm with you now, and let's have a cuddle together." And those sorts of things are still really important things to sort of be saying and reassuring in those moments. But I think with babies as well is that importance of if they're really struggling with their emotions and parents are really struggling with emotions, is there a way that you can try and take a breath if you're both edging each other on um, in those moments where you're stressed and they're stressed and it sort of keeps escalating is in that situation is really important. Some of those strategies that parents use to find a way that we've got some strategies to use to help calm ourselves down so that we can calm our babies down or calm our young children down. Mm. Going back to... You were talking before about the importance of helping children to make sense of what they're hearing, picking up perhaps from school while they were there, perhaps from overhearing their parents' conversations, and that without help to understand and put some context around it, that that could be a bit frightening for children. I was just wondering what, what can parents be looking out for uh, to alert them to whether perhaps their child is is feeling anxious and, and afraid about what's going on and perhaps needs a, a conversation, the opportunity to sit down and talk? Well, I think the idea will always be to try and find a way to um, make this a regular part of our family conversation. It's such a dominant thing for families at the moment that the ideal is that we are just having regular conversations that just pop up. There's questions that are asked when they need to be and um, we can respond to them. But I think some of the things that would be encouraging parents in particular to be looking out for in their children is um, on the one side, some children may be responding to this and they're stressed about it. Um, they might be things like, you know, trouble sleeping or they might be increasingly worried about things. They might be acting at it and having some troubling behaviours and things like that as well. But I think also to be conscious of recognising that there is some big worries in children's lives and maybe um, just understanding where they're coming from, some of those types of behaviours. But the other thing I think is also for parents is children that might be withdrawing a bit more into themselves, being a bit more quiet. They might not be as emotionally expressive as they usually are as well. I think that's the other part we'd really be encouraging families to be on the lookout for as well and maybe that's a time to be trying to connect about that to recognize that maybe they're struggling with trying to make sense of this inside themselves as well and within that context is probably being a bit more proactive and just doing some check-ins as well and as parents actually sometimes sharing how we're feeling about it too and I guess with when we're sharing our own feelings as parents we really don't want to encourage our own panic to be shared but it's okay to sort of share, yeah, I've been a bit worried about 
that as well and I read a story and that made me feel worried and acknowledging that you're feeling worried can be an opening as well for children if they're feeling like they can't express themselves um, at this stage. So sometimes it's about us as parents using our, I guess, our own understanding of ourselves but also of children around what creates some space for us to share with each other how we're going with this. Could you talk about that perhaps for, you know, for families that maybe this isn't the norm of talking about tricky topics or topics that are creating anxiety? What would a conversation that is going to help the child feel supported, um, what would that look like? Some simple ways I think of getting that conversation started is to, as a parent, think about some of the things that your child has lightly witnessed or experienced um, and maybe start a conversation about that. Um, So, you know, you might have noticed I've been looking on my phone more than I normally do and the reason I've been doing that is I've been looking up information about this virus and sometimes I find it hard not to do that and the reason I'm struggling with that at the moment is I'm a bit worried. Um, Are you worried about it too? Um, And sort of start off with a conversation like that. Um, so it invites children into that and then if a child then starts to respond and saying, yeah, I am a bit worried and then it's sort of asking questions around, oh, what are you feeling worried about? And they can sort of share some of what their worries might be and whatever they might be. As a parent, you just remain curious about that, exploring. And the idea is that you're just wanting to find out more and more detail about that worry and be really curious about that worry so that you might not have all the answers that they are seeking, but as a parent, you can sort of say, I'm a bit worried about that too. And that's a good question. I'm not sure the answer to that. Maybe that's something we can have a look at together because, yeah, I heard something similar and I'm not sure if it's true or not. So owning some of that lack of knowledge we sometimes have as well. So yeah. that tends to be how I sort of recommend that sort of conversation going is you can just initiate it with acknowledging some of the things that are happening and even your own worries and opening that up to give permission that we're going to talk about this, um, but then really following and being curious about what children are saying. And so just asking some of those open-ended questions just to help you understand what, how they're going so that you can sort of respond to that. Mm. And what about parents and their mental health right now? There's obviously a whole spectrum of experiences that people are happening, but we do keep hearing about how you know a lot of people are feeling a lot of anxiety and there are some very troubling things happening people are are losing their jobs there's a lot of uncertainty so in thinking about having these conversations is there anything that parents could be mindful of in terms of their own you know state of anxiety or their own mood um, in opening up conversations and supporting their children at this time For parents in particular, if they're struggling with some of their own mental health difficulties, we know that what that means is generally changes how we feel about ourselves, but also how we relate to each other in a family. And so going back to what I was talking about before around sort of really responding to what children are seeing and hearing and feeling. Um, And so the same sort of message, actually labelling some of those changes or exploring what children have noticed about those changes as well. So what have you noticed about our family that's changed? I know I've been a bit worried about things a lot more and what that means is sometimes I've been a bit more snappy as a parent if that's the case or sometimes I feel like I just need to go and escape in my room for a while or um, have you noticed me doing that just helping children feel like it's not something that they're causing and there's a lot of families sort of balancing a lot of stress 
And that includes the stress of the relationships in the family, the stress of sort of doing school at home, the stress of managing all the tension that can pop up between siblings and between family members. And so providing some explanation around that for children is just making sure that they go, it's not, they don't feel like it's their fault that this is happening um, and that those changes, because that's often what we hear from a lot of children is they do feel like um, they cause their parents to be unwell or struggling with their mental health and and sometimes parents have expressed, sometimes it feels like that too. <laughs> um, but it's not actually the case. It's actually the context that we're all living in is making this really tricky for all of us and helping children make sense of it. And actually just saying that as a family and having some open communication about that. Um, there's a lot of resources out there and I think we've got some on our website as well where we've learned from families around how they um, have started conversations and how that's helped. And I think that's something that we can all learn from. There's some families that have been through some pretty tough stuff <laughs> and have been going through some tough stuff for quite some time. So we've got some really good knowledge and wisdom that other families have shared with us as an organisation. And that's what we've used to help us develop some resources. But I think also while we're connecting with each other is actually reflecting on a family, what struggles have we been through together and even sharing some of those stories <laughs> with each other inside the household and with a family that yeah, we had some pretty tough times during this period or what did we do and what was helpful in that time that we can share. But I think that's what I've noticed in my own family and in social media and things is I think people are really being proactive about sharing, you know, practical things around how we're managing this or some cool tools and <laughs> things to do with kids, those sorts of things. So I think people are problem solving this. Yeah. I mean, looking at the different sources of information that are out there, there's a lot of uh, agreement on what kids need and um, I think for a while there I was thinking you know this is all new and we haven't been in this situation before do we know what to suggest or what to do but um, it seems as though there is a lot of tried and tested principles and understandings that are still really useful for now mm -hmm. and I wanted to pick up on you touched on routines before, and this is a message that's coming through about how to support children, and I know it's an important one that comes through in our work at Emerging Minds. Could you talk a bit about how how can parents maintain routines while children are at home and everyone's home together for extended periods of time? I think some things that can be sort of practical and useful just for families to be thinking about is what does a normal before this happened week look like for us? And to even sit down with children and think about sort of what are the key things we really want to keep going in our family or what are some new things we can introduce that might not have been in our family that we can use during this time. Mm -hmm. um, so things like consistent sort of bedtime routines, consistent wake-up routines are fairly important um, as much as mm -hmm. we might want to be doing big sleep-ins and that's okay too sometimes as well, but sort of trying to get some predictability just helps children feel a bit more secure. Um, it doesn't need to be sort of, you know, super regimented type routines because um, they can be sort of difficult as well. But what are some of those key um, things that make life seem a bit more predictable um, for children? Probably the final point I wanted to pick up on was around media and news. I think I'm not alone in consuming a lot more media at the moment. And I'm just wondering if there's any any suggestions around some monitoring that or any things to be mindful around the impact of 
uh, news about the coronavirus on um, children's social and emotional well-being right now? Yeah, yep. I think it's, um, I sort of talk, it was almost a bit like what you call media hygiene, I think it's a good way to be thinking about it. Um, mm. And that's for ourselves and showing that to our children as well, but also helping monitor that for children. I think, as you said, I think we're all looking at media a lot more and there's some importance of that for us as well is that we need to know what's happening on the outside world and know important things we might need to be changing we need to be looking at that continually as well but I think some ways to do that in a healthy way is to limit the number of sources of information you're getting access to and pick two or three um, reliable sources and maybe even just thinking about is there a particular time of day that I'm going to look at that and allow myself to do that because it's important that you do but I think at the moment, because we tend to be wearing and having devices on us and they tend to ping and alert us to things, is it's really hard, particularly when you're worried about things, not to jump on and have a look immediately. And what that sort of means is that a big part of our days, we're really distracted by the devices and the news that are in our lives. But I think, as I was mentioning before around play, is maybe that's the time as a parent, you can turn it off completely or put it in another room and really deliberately, consciously switch off from it for a while so that you can focus on other things and know that it's going to be waiting there when you go back to it with any news items and things like that as well. Um, and I think that's just a simple way, but it does work. So that's just probably the one big thing I think that's really important around managing our own media. But also that's the same. I guess children will be looking at to us around our own behaviour as well. So if we're struggling, and I think that's part of our own anxiety, not to be off those devices, to look at the news, it's possible that children are feeling the same way. So if we can sort of show them how we're doing that, it helps them to sort of say it's actually okay. We don't need to be looking at them all the time and maybe we all have some time off from them for a little bit and just do something else that we enjoy doing. Well, I think we might leave it there. I think that that's a good place to finish up. So thank you very much for your time today, Brad. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this special episode on children and the COVID-19 pandemic. Visit the Emerging Minds website to access a curated selection of resources, including videos, fact sheets and tips to find more ways of supporting children and parents during this time. Visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds. The National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.